What is going on, guys, and welcome back to the Sports Sesh with Alec Ramirez. As always, I'm your host, Alec Ramirez, and we had a great week of football, to say the least. I have to be completely honest with you. I really enjoyed this week of football. I thought it was spectacular. And now we have the divisional matchup set. We got the Ravens and the Bills. We got the Browns and the Chiefs. We got the Bucks and the Saints. And we got the Rams and the Packers. It is going to be a great week for football. I definitely want to get into these teams right here. I want to give them a couple breakdowns. I want to give you some expectations that I have going forward for the divisional matchups. So with that being said, let's get right on into it. Let's start off with the Bills and Ravens. Now let's talk about Buffalo real quick. The run game to me was still very lackluster. Moss is potentially injured and Singletary honestly was doing the bare minimum. Stefan Diggs showcased why he is a top five wide receiver in the game. He had six catches for 128 yards. Diggs and Josh Allen were absolutely electric on Saturday. The duo accounted for a touchdown as well on a beautiful fade route to Stefan Diggs for anybody who was able to catch that. It was a masterpiece. Josh Allen threw for 324 yards and two touchdowns on Saturday, proving why every mobile passing QB is super innovative and super hard to game plan for. Allen turned a draw into a pass TD to Dawson Knox, and as I mentioned earlier, had the connection with Diggs. For anybody who tuned into the pod last week, you heard me talk about how Josh Allen would need to utilize his legs in this game. And he indeed did rushing for 54 yards and a touchdown. Forward, he will have to keep that type of play style going if he wants to be successful with the Bills offense. He doesn't want them to get... He doesn't want them to turn into a one-trick pony, if you will. I know the run game is very, very, very bad, to say the least. Um, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, all tremendous wide receivers. However, you don't just want to be a team that's known for passing. You definitely do want to have a quarterback that's not afraid to move around with his legs and extend drives, especially especially in crucial moments of the game. It's super, super critical to have a quarterback that's kind of a do-it-all type of guy. Now, defensively, the Bills did have their windows of weakness, but when it mattered most, they did lock in. The secondary of Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde all played huge roles for the Bills against a tough wide receiving core for the Colts. They definitely shut down when they needed to. They did allow a couple of deep passes that could be worked on in practice and going forward. I definitely think they'll look over that in the film. Um, other than that, it was a very great game from the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. Like I said, I did expect this type of win to happen. Uh, now let's talk about the Ravens, who I definitely owe an apology to. I honestly thought Derrick Henry was going to come out and just bulldoze the hell out of them. And that wasn't the case against this talented Baltimore defense. Now, hats off to Don Martindale, who coached a hell of a game at the defensive coordinator spot. He helped hold the NFL's leading rusher to 40 yards, and that's definitely something worth celebrating over, aside from their victory on Sunday. Anyone who tuned in to the last episode knew how much I was going to praise Vrabel for being excellent on the defensive side of things. However, when it came to stop Lamar, which I thought he was going to do, it goes to show, and it went to show, that Lamar Jackson is really unstoppable in open space. Jackson did a little of everything on Sunday, rushing for 136 yards and throwing for 179. Jackson also ran for a touchdown against Tennessee. And aside from the defense being an anchor this past Sunday for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson was an absolute stud. Now, for those who have been tuning in, 
I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I've been a huge Lamar Jackson fan since Louisville. So I certainly didn't come into this game downplaying his ability. But what the Ravens did very well this past Sunday was they executed plays to almost every playmaker on the offensive line. Hollywood Brown got to touch the ball. Willie Sneed got to touch the ball. Mark Andrews got to touch the ball. And J.K. Dobbins also got to touch the ball. Hollywood Brown was given the opportunity to work this past Sunday, which I've been preaching the entire year. I think Hollywood Brown can be a stud in this league. He just hasn't been giving the opportunities to. But he was given them this past week. He had seven catches for 109 yards. This is his first 100-yard game since week one. Mark Andrews accounted for 41 yards. While Snead had himself two quick catches in the game to extend drives. Dobbins rushed for 43 yards and a touchdown, while Gus Edwards also added 38 yards. Now, if the Ravens can continue to feed every single mouth on the offense, they can definitely be a dangerous team. It'll allow defensive coordinators to not only focus on Lamar Jackson, but they'll have to focus on guys like Hollywood, focus on guys like Mark Andrews. It makes the game plan harder for defensive coordinators, and it'll make the offensive game easier on the Ravens. Now, going into next week, I have to be honest with you. I do have the Buffalo Bills staying hot and taking the win. The biggest threat to the Ravens' defense was their one weakness against the Titans, and that is the deep ball. I know how good Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters can be. That's no questions asked. But the two safeties on top raise heavy red flags playing a duo like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And that's not to forget about John Brown, who can literally line up anywhere and be a threat. What is going to be interesting is to see how well the Buffalo offensive line holds up against the pass rush of the Baltimore Ravens. Campbell and Wolf were all over the run game and sniffed out several play actions against Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about things against an offense that is high scoring like the Buffalo Bills. Defensively, it's been proven there's no clear way to stop Lamar Jackson. But a defense like Buffalo can certainly put a damper on the rest of the offensive weapons that Baltimore has to offer in order to be successful. The secondary in Buffalo will be all over the place, as even the nickel corner will have to be utilized as a quarterback spy to help slow down Lamar Jackson. J.K. Dobbins wasn't much of a factor last week. However, if the Ravens do want to go ahead and upset Buffalo this week, He'll definitely have to play a bigger role and open up the run game for not only him, but Gus Edwards as well. That also goes for Singletary and Moss, who's still undecided if he's clearly injured for this week. Now, with both defenses being extremely well, I do have this being a medium scoring affair, possibly in the high 20s uh, to low 30s. Sliding on over to the NFC real quick, we have the Rams and Green Bay Packers this week. Now, real quick, let's talk about the Rams first. The Rams right now, I believe, have the best defense in the NFC playoffs. Um, Jalen Ramsey disrupted the entire Seattle Seahawks offense, and in my opinion, Aaron Donald was making Russell Wilson's job a lot harder than it should have been. Early in the game, I have to say it was a pretty boring contest between the Seahawks and the Rams. However, once they showed a frustrated DK Metcalf on television, I began to get very, very intrigued. Um, it was clear Metcalf wanted to be more involved as nothing else was really working for Seattle. And when Pete Carroll forced his hand towards Metcalf, the Rams defense made him pay with a pick six. And it wasn't even at the hands of Jalen Ramsey. But because the Seahawks were so focused on getting Metcalf the ball, it forced the hand in order for them to just slip up once. And from there, it was kind of just downhill. Now offensively, Jared Goff came in for an injured John Walford and... I feel he did what we kind of expected for somebody to come off a two weeks injury. 
Um, he did hurt his thumb. He's playing with three pins right now. Um, he threw for 155 yards and a touchdown. It's nothing too special. It's also nothing too bad. Like I said, it's kind of just what I expected if he did come in the game. Now, the real star of the Rams offense was rookie running back Cam Akers, who showed out for a quiet Los Angeles offense, running for 176 yards and a touchdown on 30 carries. Now, that's exactly what the LA offense needed when both quarterbacks stink and both of them just are doing the bare minimum at this point. Uh, this is a team that's really getting anchored by their defense. It's getting anchored by the running backs. Um, going forward, they're just going to have to rely on them to just go full throttle at this point. Cam Akers somehow needs to continue this groove that he had this past game. Um, Goff definitely needs to make some changes. I'm not saying I expect him to be the 2019 Goff that we've seen in the previous Super Bowl run. However, he definitely does need to find some connections with the wide receivers um, going forward. Now let's talk about their counterparts this weekend who are very well rested and ready to go in Lambeau Field this weekend. We have MVP candidate Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now Aaron Rodgers is looking to cap off his Hall of Fame career with yet another Super Bowl title to go along with his 2011 championship and Super Bowl MVP. He'll look to Devontae Adams and Logan Tanyan to be huge targets in the playoffs. Adams right now is averaging 98 yards a game while Tanyan is coming off his best regular season yet with 11 touchdowns. Now, along with both of Aaron Rodgers' premier target targets, he'll need the other Aaron of Green Bay, Aaron Jones, to have a ball game, possibly in the 100 to 120 yard rushing category mark. He'll definitely be utilized in the red zone as well as opening up the field for Tay and Tanyan. He just definitely needs him to produce at this point and not have a quiet game. Defensively, I feel Green Bay is heavily slept on in the secondary. Darnell Savage and Jair Alexander are extremely scary. Jair Alexander is coming off his best regular season, only having one game where he allowed 30 yards to an NFL wide receiver. Do you understand how impressive that is? He held everybody under 30 yards. The only man he gave up yards to, I think, was Adam Thielen. He gave up 66 yards week one. Other than that, the man's been an island, to say the least. It's definitely going to be fun to see uh, how he matches up with a quarterback like Jared Goff, who's still a little shaky when throwing the ball. But like I said, if Cam Akers does somehow get the running category going, we could see the Rams having a bit of an upset. Unfortunately, unfortunately for the Rams, they do have to play in Lambeau Field. Now, a little bit of a preview this week. The clear matchup to watch is going to be Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. It's cut out to be one of the best matchups we've seen this season. And between the two of them, I do expect a lot of fireworks. We have one physical cornerback and we have one very smooth operator in Devontae Adams. It's definitely going to be nice to see how this goes. Now for Green Bay, like I said, it's going to be up to Aaron Jones to open up the field for Adams. So that way he can run his route tree around. And he's also going to have to be able to move the ball downfield for Green Bay. Um, more importantly, it's going to be up to the Packers defense to make or break this game. We already know that the Rams offense is very mediocre right now just because of the quarterback situation. But like we have seen in the past, the Green Bay Packers have been known to fold on defense when it comes to the playoffs. I'm referring to the Atlanta Falcon game and the San Francisco 49er game. Green Bay Packer defense definitely needs to lock in. It's going to be up to them to catch either Goff or Walford slipping once or twice to let Aaron Rodgers work and put points up on the board. However, like I said, I do expect it to be a low-scoring affair because of how good both of both the defenses are. 
Uh, for Los Angeles, it's definitely going to be difficult playing in that cold weather out in Lambeau. Uh, not to forget, if Jared Goff is the starting quarterback, he's playing with three pins in his hand, and he's going to be doing that in very, very cold weather of Green Bay. Uh, luckily for them, the biggest weakness for the Packers defending is the run. Uh, so like I said, they're going to have to look to Cam Akers to just have a ball game and carry them over. Uh, the defense is there, folks. Like I said, the Rams do have the pieces to slow down the Packers' offense. Not saying that they are going to do that. Like I said, Devontae Adams is an animal. He's averaging almost 100 yards a game. So no matter what, he is going to feed Devontae Adams. It's just going to be a matter of who's really going to catch, who's slipping first. I do have the Packers winning in this one. I Like I said, I don't like the Rams' chances with Goff or Walford at quarterback going forward in the playoffs. Uh, but like I said, it's it's been a good run for the Rams defensively. Hell of a hell of a season. Uh, but yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau. You can't go wrong with that. Sliding back over to the AFC, let's talk about the hottest team in football right now. And I won't say I told you folks, but for those of you that tuned in last week, I told you so. The Browns were going to upset the Steelers. Baker Mayfield and the Browns had one of the best games in the franchise's long and almost torture-full wait to get into the playoffs. Defensively, it was extremely, extremely well. I was super worried because Denzel Ward wasn't playing. I thought everybody else was going to be very, very mediocre. But it was actually the opposite. They stepped up, and like I expected, the Steelers folded. Both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had an exceptional game, being very crucial to the successful offense that the Cleveland Browns ran. Hunt rushed for two touchdowns and 50 yards, while Chubb had 76 rushing yards and 69 receiving yards with a touchdown. And like I said, folks, it's hard to prep for a team that has two RB1s. That is what the Browns possess, and that is what they can do to be successful going forward. Not to mention the two RB1s, you also have to worry about Austin Hooper, who's always dangerous when he can catch the ball. Austin Hooper, please catch the ball. And secondly, they have Jarvis Landry, who's a baller, a baller, folks. They needed him to step up big this week, and oh, did he ever. He had 92 yards on five catches with a touchdown, and all the weapons are coming together right now for Cleveland. Peoples-Jones looked exceptionally well for Cleveland, and I like their chances against the Chiefs. I'm not going to say that they're going to come in and just pull off an upset the way they did against the Steelers this past week, but I don't think... They're going to get walked over like people really think the Chiefs can do to them. Cleveland possesses a lot of weapons, in my opinion, to be successful. And defensively, they're still very young. And they're they're pretty good. Like They're pretty, pretty good, folks. Uh, if Denzel Ward does happen to come back next week, I do like I do like their, their chances making it a ball game. Miles Garrett's always been a beast. Uh, they will put up a dogfight in Kansas City. Uh, but like I said, it's it's the reigning champ, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. You know, you, you really can't say any more about the Chiefs. Um, they have all the weapons. Mahomes is on a week's rest. Tyreek Hill is on a week's rest. And their biggest X factor on the offense is going to be Travis Kels. Kels could potentially eat the Browns defense up um, and have a stat-stuffing game. However, I feel the Chiefs going forward need to identify the run game. I feel... They're very pass-heavy with Kelson Hill, and hell, why not? I'd toss the ball up, too, if I had Kelson Hill on my team. But when you draft a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and you sign a former top running back like Le'Veon Bell, you would think that they would have a more established, clear-cut role as to who's the running back one and to who's really the sidekick. 
Both Bell and Clyde Edwards Elaire get a workload, but neither of them really catch a groove in my opinion. That is something they're gonna need going forward in the playoffs. Now that's not to downplay the Chiefs. The Chiefs are really, really good folks. I will never downplay the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever touch a pigskin football, to ever lace up a pair of cleats, whatever you want to call it. He is a beast. But in the playoffs, you need to have everything working. You can't just have you can't just be a one-trick pony, like, like I said earlier. Now, going into this weekend, I don't really know what to expect between these two just because, like I said, the Browns' defense is really good, folks. They're not to be taken lightly. Uh, part of me wants to see an absolute shootout between Mayfield and Mahomes like we've seen in previous times. Uh, however, part of me feels like the Chiefs can honestly have a walk-in-the-park type game. If the Browns' defense can shut down Travis Kelts, which is always extremely difficult to do, we just might have a ball game on our hands. But if Kels gets going early and certainly gets a, a rhythm, we'll just have to call it a day. Cleveland has all the momentum right now to pull off an upset and continue to ride the wave. If defensive back Denzel Ward does come back, I do like their chances. But if somehow Patrick Mahomes has one of those magical games that we've seen before, the clock just might strike 12 on the Brown Cinderella story. I don't really have a clear-cut pick for this game, to be honest with you folks. I'm very torn apart between the two just because I do want to see Baker succeed as an OU fan. So it's definitely going to be a game-time decision for me on Twitter. So make sure you tune in to see who I'm going to go with on on the Kansas City Chiefs versus Cleveland Browns game this week. And lastly, we have a battle of the GOATs. Now let's talk about my GOAT real quick. Tom Brady has done everything there is to do in his career. He's won almost every award there is to win. And he's known as one of the best quarterbacks to ever lace up a pair of cleats. So I don't understand why people on social media seem to think that if Brady loses this week, it affects his resume? Really? Really? Come on, folks. The only thing that this does right here for Tom Brady's resume is show what another legendary matchup he has with Drew Brees. Last week was exactly what I expected from Tom. He made it look easy. He got it to every wide receiver, every tight end. Evans had 119 yards, while Godwin racked up a touchdown in 80 yards. Antonio Brown is catching a groove. He has been an absolute troublemaker in the end zone. But like I said, with so many other playoff teams, the run game still needs work. Whether it's Fournette or Ronald Jones, someone needs to get things going in Tampa in the playoffs before it is too late. Losing a lot of crucial drives on crucial short downs because the running backs just can't seem to get it going. Now defensively, the Bucks have pieces to make this a very good playoff run, but they are going to be playing a very, very talented Saints team, and they're going to be playing these Saints in New Orleans. Now, as we've seen last week, Drew Brees is extremely comfortable in the playoffs. He threw for 265 yards with two touchdowns, and he also found his favorite target, Michael Thomas, for a touchdown and rekindled the flame just in time to play the Bucks this weekend. Alvin Kamara had yet another workhorse performance, tallying 116 total yards on the ground and in the air, rushing for a touchdown and also extending many crucial drives for the Saints offense in the air as a checkdown receiver. Now, it's hard to prepare for a guy like Kamara because of the dual threat ability and in the power back type body he has. He'll definitely be a key piece in this week's matchup against the Bucks. Now, this is a matchup that's going to be talked about for a while, not just this week, but even as time goes on. Now, it's the classic GOAT versus GOAT matchup where honestly no one can complain about the amount of weapons both quarterback has. Um, they can't really say nobody really has a clear-cut wide receiver. Both of them 
have many weapons to choose from. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. However, this game, like so many this week, can certainly come down to defense. And the reason I say that is because in the past, we have seen Marshawn Lattimore completely cancel out Mike Evans from the game. We'll also have to see how well the Buccaneers O-line holds up against a guy like Cam Jordan. And on the other side of the ball, the Bucks are going to need every single linebacker on high alert, no matter where Kamara is. They need to figure out who's going to guard Michael Thomas because if he catches a groove, you can expect this game to be one-sided very, very fast as we have seen before. Both quarterbacks are extremely comfortable right now and could potentially add to their legacy with another Super Bowl win. Although I love Tom Brady, that is my greatest quarterback of all time. That is my GOAT. I am going to have to give the edge to New Orleans and Drew Brees this weekend because they are playing in Louisiana. With that being said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank our sponsors, DNF Kicks. Make sure you check them out on Instagram. Shout out to my guy, G the Great, for the intro music. And I will see you guys next sesh. Peace.